The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien Chapter 3 Three is Company Part 3 The sun was beginning to get low and the light of afternoon was on the land as they went down the hill. So far, they had not met a soul on the road. This way was not much used, being hardly fit for carts, and there was little traffic to the woody end. They had been jogging along again for an hour or more when Sam stopped a moment, as if listening. They were now on level ground, and the road, after much winding, lay straight ahead through grassland, sprinkled with tall trees, outliers of the approaching woods. I can hear a pony or a horse coming along the road behind, said Sam. They looked back, but the turn of the road prevented them from seeing far. I wonder if that is Gandalf coming after us, said Frodo. But even as he said it, he had a feeling that it was not so, and a sudden desire to hide from the view of the rider came over him. It may not matter much, he said apologetically, but I would rather not be seen on the road by anyone. I am sick of my doings being noticed and discussed, and if it is Gandalf, he added as an afterthought, we can give him a little surprise to pay him out for being so late. Let's get out of sight. The other two ran quickly to the left and down into a little hollow not far from the road. There they lay flat. Frodo hesitated for a second. Curiosity or some other feeling was struggling with his desire to hide. The sound of hoofs drew nearer. Just in time, he threw himself down in a patch of long grass behind a tree that overshadowed the road. Then he lifted his head and peered cautiously above one of the great roots. Round the corner came a black horse. No hobbit pony, but a full-sized horse. And on it sat a large man, who seemed to crouch in the saddle wrapped in a great black cloak and hood, so that only his boots and the high stirrups showed below. His face was shadowed and invisible. When it reached the tree and was level with Frodo, the horse stopped. The riding figure sat quite still with his head bowed, as if listening. From inside the hood came a noise, as of someone sniffing to catch the elusive scent. The head turned from side to side of the road, sudden, unreasoning fear of discovery laid hold of Frodo, and he thought of his ring. He hardly dared to breathe, and yet the desire to get it out of his pocket became so strong that he began slowly to move his hand. He felt that he had only to slip it on, and then he would be safe. The advice of Gandalf seemed absurd. Bilbo had used the ring. And I am still in the Shire, he thought as his hand touched the chain on which it hung. At that moment, the rider sat up and shook the reins. The horse stepped forward, walking slowly at first, and then breaking into a quick trot. Frodo crawled to the edge of the road and watched the rider until he dwindled into the distance. He could not be quite sure, but it seemed to him that suddenly, before it passed out of sight, the horse turned aside and went into the trees on the right. Well, I call that very queer and indeed disturbing, said Frodo to himself, as he walked towards his companions. Pippin and Sam had remained flat in the grass and had seen nothing, 
so Frodo described the writer and his strange behavior. I can't say why, but I felt certain he was looking or smelling for me. And also, I felt certain that I did not want him to discover me. I've never seen or felt anything like it in the Shire before. What has one of the big people got to do with us? said Pippin. And what is he doing in this part of the world? There are some men about, said Frodo. Down in the South Farthing, they have had trouble with big people, I believe. But I have never heard of anything like this rider. I wonder where he comes from. Begging your pardon, said Sam suddenly. I know where he comes from. It's from Hobbiton that this here black rider comes. Unless there's more than one, and they know where he's going to. What do you mean? said Frodo sharply, looking at him in astonishment. And why didn't you speak up before? I've only just remembered, sir, and it was like this. When I got back to our hall yesterday, evening with the key, my dad, he says to me, Hello, Sam, he says. I thought you were away with Mr. Frodo this morning. There's been a strange customer asking for Mr. Baggins at Bag Inn, and he's only just gone. I've sent him on to Buckleberry. Not that I liked the sound of him. He seemed mighty put on when I told him Mr. Baggins had left his old home for good. Hissed at me, he did. It gave me quite a shudder. What sort of a fellow was he? says I to the gaffer. I don't know, he says, but he wasn't a hobbit. He was tall and black-like, and he stooped over me. I reckon it was one of the big folk from foreign parts. He spoke funny. I couldn't stay to hear more, sir, since you were waiting, and I didn't much heed it to myself. The gaffer is getting old and more than a bit blind, and it must have been near dark when this fellow came up the hill and found him taking the air at the end of our row. I hope he hasn't done no harm, sir, nor me. The gaffer can't be blamed anyway, said Frodo. As a matter of fact, I heard him talking to a stranger who seemed to be inquiring for me, and I nearly went and asked him who it was. I wish I had, or you had told me about it before. I might have been more careful on the road. Still, there may be no connection between this raider and the gaffer stranger, said Pippin. We left Hobbiton secretly enough, and I don't see how he could have followed us. What about the smelling, sir? said Sam. And the gaffer said he was a black chap. I wish I had waited for Gandalf, Frodo muttered. But perhaps it would only have made matters worse. Then you know or you guess something about this raider, said Pippin, who had caught the muttered words. I don't know, and I would rather not guess said Frodo. All right, cousin Frodo, you can keep your secrets for the present if you want to be mysterious. In the meanwhile, what are we to do? I should like a bite and a sup, but somehow I think we had better move on from here. Your talk of sniffing riders with invisible noses has unsettled me. Yes, I think we will move on now, said Frodo, but not on the road, in case that rider comes back or another follows him. We ought to do a good step more today. Buckland is still miles away. The shadows of the trees were long and thin on the grass as they started off again. They now kept a stone's throw to the left of the road and kept out of sight of it as much as they could. But this hindered them, for the grass was thick and tossicky, 
and the ground uneven, and the trees began to draw together into thickets. The sun had gone down red behind the hills at their backs, and evening was coming on before they came back to the road at the end of the long level over which it had run straight for many miles. At that point it bent left and went down into the lowlands of the Yale, making for stock. But a lane branched right, winding through a wood of ancient oak trees on its way to Woodhall. Fit is the way for us, said Frodo. Not far from the road meeting they came to the huge hulk of a tree. It was still alive and had leaves on the small branches that had put out round broken stumps of its long fallen limbs. But it was hollow and could be entered by a great crack on the side away from the road. The hobbits crept inside and sat there upon a floor of old leaves and decayed wood. They rested and had a light meal, talking quietly and listening from time to time. Twilight was about them as they crept back to the lane. The west wind was sighing in the branches. Leaves were whispering. Soon the road began to fall gently but steadily into the dusk. A star came out above the trees in the darkening east before them. They went abreast and in step to keep up their spirits. For a time, as the stars grew thicker and brighter, the feeling of disquiet left them, and they no longer listened for the sound of hoofs. They begin to hum softly as hobbits have a way of doing as they walk along, especially when they are drawing near to home at night. With most hobbits, it is a supper song or a bed song, but these hobbits hummed a walking song, though not, of course, without any mention of supper and bed. Bilbo Baggins had made the words to a tune that was as old as the hills and taught it to Frodo as they walked in the lanes of the water valley and talked about adventure. Upon the hearth the fire is red, beneath the roof there is a bed. But not yet weary are our feet, still round the corner we may meet. A sudden tree or standing stone that none have seen but we alone. Trees and flower and leaf and grass, let them pass, let them pass. Hill and water under sky, pass them by, pass them by. Still round the corner they may wait a new road or a secret gate. And though we pass them by today, tomorrow we may come this way and take the hidden paths that run towards the moon or to the sun. Apple, thorn, and nut and slow, let them go, let them go. Land and stone and pool and dell, fare you well, fare you well. Home is behind, the world ahead, and there are many paths to tread. Through shadows to the edge of night, until the stars are all alight. Then world behind and home ahead, we'll wander back to home in bed. Mist and twilight, cloud and shade, away shall fade, away shall fade. Fire and lamp and meat and bread, and then to bed, and then to bed. The song ended, and now to bed, and now to bed, sang Pippin in a high voice. Hush, said Frodo, I think I hear hoofs again. They stopped suddenly and stood as silent as tree shadows, listening. There was a sound of hoofs in the lane, some way behind, but coming slow and clear down the wind. Quickly and quietly they slipped off the path and ran into the deeper shade under the oak trees. Don't let us go too far, 
said Frodo. I don't want to be seen, but I want to see if it's another black rider. Very well, said Pippin, but don't forget the sniffing. The hoofs drew nearer. They had no time to find any hiding place better than the general darkness under the trees. Sam and Pippin crouched behind a large tree bowl, while Frodo crept back a few yards towards the lane. It showed, gray and pale, a line of fading light through the wood. Above it, the stars were thick in the dim sky, but there was no moon. The sound of hoofs stopped. As Frodo watched, he saw something dark pass across the lighter space between two trees and then halt. It looked like the black shade of a horse led by a smaller black shadow. The black shadow stood close to the point where they had left the path, and it swayed from side to side. Frodo thought he heard the sound of snuffling. The shadow bent to the ground and then began to crawl towards him. Once more, the desire to slip on the ring came over Frodo, but this time it was stronger than before. So strong that almost before he realized what he was doing, his hand was groping in his pocket. But at that moment, there came a sound like mingled song and laughter. Clear voices rose and fell in the starlit air. The black shadow straightened up and retreated. It climbed onto the shadowy horse and seemed to vanish across the lane into the darkness on the other side. Frodo breathed again. Elves! exclaimed Sam in a hoarse whisper. Elves, sir! He would have burst out of the trees and dashed off towards the voices if they had not pulled him back. Yes, it is elves, said Frodo. One can meet them sometimes in the woody end. They don't live in the Shire, but... They wander into it in spring and autumn, out of their own lands away beyond the Tower Hills. I am thankful that they do. You did not see, but that black rider stopped just here and was actually crawling towards us when the song began. As soon as he heard the voices, he slipped away. What about the elves? said Sam, too excited to trouble about the rider. Can't we go and see them? Listen, they are coming this way. Said Frodo. We have only to wait. The singing drew nearer. One clear voice rose now above the others. It was singing in the fair elven tongue, of which Frodo knew only a little, and the others knew nothing. Yet the sound blending with the melody seemed to shape itself in their thought into words which they only partly understood. This was the song as Frodo heard it. Snow White, Snow White, O Lady Clear, O queen beyond the western seas, O light to us that wander here Amid the world of woven trees. Gilfanil, O illibereth, Clear are thy eyes and bright thy breath. Snow white, snow white, we sing to thee In a far land beyond the sea. O stars that in the sunless year With shining hand by her were sown, In windy fields now bright and clear, we see your silver blossom blown. O Ilbreth, Gilfanil, we still remember we who dwell in this far land beneath the trees, thy starlight on the western seas. The song ended. These are high elves. They spoke the name of Elbreth, said Frodo in amazement. Few of that fairest folk are ever seen in the Shire. Not many now remain in Middle-earth. 
east of the Great Sea. This is indeed a strange chance. The hobbits sat in shadow by the wayside. Before long, the elves came down the lane towards the valley. They passed slowly, and the hobbits could see the starlight glimmering on their hair and in their eyes. They bore no lights, yet as they walked a shimmer, like the light of the moon above the rim of the hills before it rises, seemed to fall about their feet. They were now silent, and as the last elf passed, he turned and looked towards the hobbit and laughed. Hail Frodo, he cried. You are abroad late, or are you perhaps lost? Then he called aloud to the others, and all the company stopped and gathered round. This is indeed wonderful, they said. Three hobbits in a wood at night. We haven't seen such a thing since Bilbo went away. What is the meaning of it? The meaning of it to their people, said Frodo, is simply that we seem to be going the same way as you are. I like walking under the stars, but I would welcome your company. But we have no need of other company, and hobbits are so dull, they laughed. And how do you know that we go the same way as you, for you do not know whither we are going? And how do you know my name? asked Frodo in return. We know many things, they said. We have seen you often before with Bilbo, though you may not have seen us. Who are you, and who is your lord? asked Frodo. I am Gildor, answered their leader the elf who had first hailed him. Gildor and Glorian of the house of Fingold. We are exiles, and most of our kindred have long ago departed, and we too are now only tarrying here a while, ere we return over the great sea. But some of our kinsfolk dwell still in peace in Rivendell. Come now, Frodo, tell us what you are doing. For we see that there is some shadow of fear upon you. Always people, interrupted Pippin eagerly. Tell us about the Black Riders. Black Riders, they said in low voices. Why do you ask about Black Riders? Because two Black Riders have overtaken us today, or one has done so twice, said Pippin. Only a little while ago he slipped away as you drew near. The elves did not answer at once, but spoke together softly in their own tongue. At length, Gildor turned to the hobbits. We will not speak of this here, he said. We think you had best come now with us. It is not our custom, but for this time we will take you on our road, and you shall lodge with us tonight, if you will. Oh, fair folk, this is good fortune beyond my hope, said Pippin. Sam was speechless. I thank you indeed, Gildor Inglorian, said Frodo, bowing. Elen sila lumen omindilvo, a star shining on the hour of our meeting, he added in a high elven speech. Be careful, friends, cried Gildor, laughing. Speak no secrets. Here is a scholar in the ancient tongue. Bilbo was a good master. Hail, elf friend, he said, bowing to Frodo. 
Come now with your friends and join our company. You had best walk in the middle so that you may not stray. You may be weary before we halt. Why? Where are you going? asked Frodo. For tonight we go to the woods in the hills above Woodhall. It is some miles, but you shall have rest at the end of it, and it will shorten your journey tomorrow. They now marched on again in silence, and passed like shadows and faint lights. For elves, even more than hobbits, could walk when they wished without sound or footfall. Pippin soon began to feel sleepy, and staggered once or twice. But each time a tall elf at his side put out his arms and saved him from a fall. Sam walked along at Frodo's side, as if in a dream, with an expression on his face, half of fear and half of astonished joy. Thank you.